Meanwhile, recorded live in the Lava Lamp Lounge, it's somewhere in between a radio zine. News, music, culture, stories, and more. This show is what we make of it, and hopefully you'll join us in the fun, too. Now let's get started. And welcome to putting in the work that is not any fun. It's issue 30, The Distance Between Things. Over the months of December and January, I have cycled over 600 miles, something I thought I would never, ever try to do, and something that has only been possible since I got a stationary bike in the house. I've never been the kind of person who exercised much at all, or uh, really with any amount of dedication. I never went to the gym. I wasn't the kind of person who was lined up ready to do sports and things like that. Uh, I did a couple of times try out for like soccer and football as a very young child and found I was not very good at either of them. And I did cross country improbably for a couple of years in high school thinking that maybe this would be my new thing. But no, those never really stuck, and in the years after high school, I didn't really find myself going to any gyms, or taking up cycling, for example, or running, or really much physical activity at all. Discovering the computer, and of course, writing, and zines, and girls, and all of the things that you discover in the years after high school, became sort of my primary focus. And very quickly, the idea of staying in shape or needing to stay in shape, or to even think about it at all, just never occurred to me. But years pass, and more precisely, many years pass in my case, and soon enough, you are a 40-plus person staring in the mirror, wondering where the pounds came from. And this isn't to shame anyone who is a little bit large and is comfortable with that fact. Uh, Shape and size and our own particular relationship to it and whatnot should be personal and shouldn't really be anyone else's business, except to say that in my particular case, I had one shape for many, many years, And that shape seems to have gone away. (laughs) And I sort of miss it. I sort of long for that era where I could do almost anything and I would just wake up the next day, the rail-thin, skinny gentleman that I always had been. Kind of a gigantic beanpole that was awkward and moved uncomfortably in spaces that just looked like maybe that person needed to cut back on the alcohol and concentrate on balance. I don't know. Perhaps this was just the uh, romantic, backward-looking sense of someone who is nostalgically viewing their own life from an 
vantage point far in the future. But there wasn't really ever this inclination within me or around me that we should all just kind of get up and go to the gym. In fact, the impulse to put on another Conan movie and get another six pack so that we could drink and recite lines of dialogue from the film seemed to take a much higher priority than working out ever did. So it is difficult to form these new habits if you've never had to do it before. And some of these habits, well, not painful or even difficult to implement on a daily basis, have a bit of an emotional cost attached to them that might be the hardest part about getting on a bike. Certainly, there is something to be said for the attitude that I have had and have held towards those who were locally maybe known as gym rats in the old days. Not only was there a little bit of a class divide, but the entire idea of perfecting your body and whatnot seemed to be a very privileged thing that allowed for time and grooming and whatnot that I simply didn't have. I had to be at work, <laughs> you know, like I couldn't go to the gym in the morning. I was on the bus so that I could get to the mall so that if I managed to accidentally show up on time, my boss might be impressed. <laughs> I guess my point is that my unhealthy attitude towards those who were already gym inclined seemed to be fed by these class resentments that I was probably completely unaware of at the time, but certainly felt important to me. No, the gym is something they do. Me, I walk everywhere. That's my exercise. You have a car. I don't. I walk everywhere. That's how I get healthy. But something certainly began to happen as I entered my 30s, and everything below the belt seemed to be pretty good shape and everything above the belt seemed to be just beer-soaked padding. Nevertheless, there's always time to change all of your habits. And certainly when I started driving, a big change happened. I stopped walking. Which, to be fair, I was doing some really silly walks, like six miles and whatnot, just to go to the store, come back with a bottle of beer. I mean, just insane things that wasted large chunks of my day. Chunks that were spent listening to radio and podcasts and thinking about things to write and whatnot, so I don't really regret the time. Except to say that so often I had to just pause everything I was doing to carve out an hour one way and an hour back just so I could walk to wherever it was that I needed to go. And because I could drive now, I wasn't getting any of that exercise that the below the belt of my body was so keen and anxious to show off. My legs were getting flabby. It was time to take action. And the strange part was, one day I got on the bike, and I just kept doing it. There wasn't really an inciting incident. There wasn't anything that said like, oh, hey, you know, like uh, if you don't start getting on the bike now, you're going to 
get into some medical territory that you can't recover from. No doctor warnings, nothing like that. In fact, the last visit I had with the doctor said I was doing quite well for my age and that maybe we should work on that insomnia before we start worrying about other parts of your physiology. When the bike came in the mail, it was pretty easy to assemble. And then, after that, I just kept getting on it. It wasn't a present or anything. There wasn't some sort of sentimental attachment. I didn't feel like I was racing towards something that I couldn't find in the rest of my life. Maybe I was trying to get away from this pandemic and all of the difficulties that are attached with it, to it, around it. I mean, I have a bike in the garage, but I don't go cycling in the neighborhood. But that probably has more to do with the fact that Cycling now is merely a half-hour daily excursion with podcasts or television, depending on what my mood is. And afterwards, I'm still in my house. I can get right back into whatever it was I was doing. And I'll be honest, I think I'm sleeping a little better too. I'm not sure if I'm going to be the kind of person who starts becoming a huge champion of the cycling community. Everyone, put on some spandex and follow me into the future. Cycling will save all of us. No, this is really just kind of a new hobby that I'm enjoying while the enjoyment lasts. For some reason, I'm going to get on the bike again today. Like I did yesterday and the day before that. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get on the bike tomorrow as well. And while it's not a whole lot, and certainly I wouldn't build my entire lifestyle around looking forward to my next cycling adventure, there is something about it where having this to look forward to does certainly make things a little more tolerable at least for now. to forge new and healthier habits and hobbies, it is probably time that I admit something that I have been uncomfortable talking about for quite some time. I have a problem with social media. And I think we all do, (laughs) to some degree or another, considering, well gestures broadly, but also that because of gestures broadly and the modern world that we all live in and how technology has impacted our lives, it doesn't at all seem strange to spend hours and hours a day on a application that is essentially feeding other people's thoughts into your mind all day long. 
And I'm not the first to opine on this. I'm not exactly trying to look for some sort of heroic metal because I've walked away from Facebook or some other meme that you've seen circulated before. Uh, no, I, in fact, I'm actually still struggling with this problem quite a bit uh, in spite of having deleted certain apps from my phone and making all of the best efforts to not put that stuff in my mind. I keep returning to it. I'll wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is reach for my phone, trying to find the same place that shouldn't be there anymore because I technically deleted it unless I reinstalled the app in the middle of the night while I was furious and frustrated and trying to figure out what my friends were up to and thinking. I'm glad that I'm feeling a lot of shame about the way that I behave towards these applications and services. And I'm glad that I'm also struggling in the same way that everyone else is, because it doesn't really make me feel too shameful when I do finally break all of my prescribed do not log in promises and just look at it for a tiny bit to see that all of my friends are still there too. It's not just me. But it does bear some consideration. And there was something in my mind that sort of clicked around the holidays where I was in one room looking at the computer, trying to figure out what everybody else was cleverly posting about that particular day. And it was a holiday where I should be spending time with my family instead. But I'm glued to this stupid screen because, like all of us, we find something in it that not only reflects ourselves, but our friends. And we get a taste of what their lives are like, and we get a little tiny interaction with them when they leave a comment or when they ping us because they were thinking of us the other day, or maybe they just wanted to share a funny little picture of their favorite Disney character, because for some reason they like that one where the alien came from outer space. What's that one called? I can never remember what it is. Uh, but yeah, anyways, you get the idea. All of this is a long way of saying that once I took a few days off, it became very clear what I had been doing to myself. Suddenly I had this free time on my hands to, well, do almost anything with. And these glimpses of what life was like before social media and before the internet and before all of these constant and instantaneous interactions started to gnaw at the back of my mind. I'm not offline. It's nothing like that. And in fact, it is entirely likely that I will cave at some point and reinstall those apps because my phone just becomes this weird, slightly weighted device in my hands in the middle of the night when I wake up otherwise. But for now, I'm enjoying the break, and I'm enjoying the idea that perhaps the problem isn't actually with the service itself, but the problem is with me. And by removing myself 
maybe I'm just making everything a little bit better. selections from Whamma, etc. From The Best of Miles by Miles Nagopalin, aka Flan O'Brien. Our new service. That, however, is by the way. A lot of the letters we receive are from well-off people who have no books. Nevertheless, they want to be thought educated. Can we help them? they ask. Of course. Let nobody think that only book owners can be smart. The Miles Nagopalene Escort Service is the answer. Why be a dumb dud? Do your friends shun you? Do people cross the street when they see you approaching? Do they run up the steps of strange houses, pretend they live there, and force their way into the hall while you are passing by? If this is the sort of person you are, you must avail yourself today of this new service. Otherwise, you might as well be dead. Our service explained. Here is how it happened. The Whamma League has had on its hands for some time past a horde of unemployed ventriloquists who have been beseeching us to get them work. These gentlemen have now been carefully trained and formed in a corps to operate this new escort service. Supposing you are a lady so completely dumb that the dogs in the street do not think you are worth growling at. You ring up Whamma League and explain your trouble. You are pleased by the patient and sympathetic hearing you get. You are instructed to be in attendance at the foyer of Gate Theater that evening and to look out for a tall, distinguished-looking gentleman in military bearing attired in immaculate evening dress. You go. You meet him. He advances toward you, smiling, ignoring all the other handsome baggages that litter the place. In an instant, his mustaches are brushing your lips. I trust I have not kept you waiting, Lady Charlotte, he says pleasantly. What a delightfully low manly voice. Not at all, Count, you answer, your voice being the tinkle of silver bells. And what a night it is for Ibsen. One is in the mood, somehow. Yet a translation can never be quite the same. Do you remember that night in Stockholm long ago? The secret. The fact of the matter is, of course, 
that you have taken good care to say nothing. Your only worry throughout the evening is to shut up and keep shut up completely. The trained escort answers his own manly questions in a voice far pleasanter than your own unfeminine quack, and gives answers that will astonish the people behind for their brilliance and sparkle. There are escorts, and escorts according to the number of potatoes you are prepared to pay. Would you like to score off your escort in a literary argument during an interlude? Look out for further information on this absorbing new service. Well, well, Godfrey. How awfully wizard being at the theater with you. Yes, it is fun. What have you been doing with yourself? Been trying to catch up with my reading, actually. Oh, good show. Keep in touch and all that. Yes, I've been studying a lot of books on Bali, you know? Ballet is terribly bewitching, isn't it? Do you like Patipa? I'm not terribly sure I do, but they seem to have developed a complete art of their own, you know? Their sense of decor and their general feeling for the plastic is quite marvelous. Yes, old Duran did some frightfully good work for them. For the specter, I think it was, actually. Sort of grisale, you know? But their feeling for Mater is so profound and almost brooding. One thinks of Corbet. Yes, or Ingris. Or Delacroix, don't you think? Definitely. Have you read Carasavina? Of course. Of course, how stupid of me. I saw her, you know. Ow! I hadn't realized that she herself was a Balinese. Balinese? What are you driving at? But... But... Explanation. This ridiculous conversation took place recently in an Irish theater. The stuff was spoken in loud voices so that everybody could hear. It was only one of the many fine things that have been done by the Dublin Whamma League's escort service. The League's horde of trained ventriloquists can now be heard carrying out their single-handed conversations all over the city and in the drawing rooms of people who are very important and equally ignorant. You know the system? If you are very dumb, you hire one of our ventriloquists to accompany you in public places, and he does absolutely all the talking. The smart replies which you appear to make will astonish yourself as much as the people around you. The conversation I have quoted is one of the most expensive on the menu. You will note that it contains a serious misunderstanding. This makes the thing appear extraordinarily genuine. Imagine my shrewdness in making the ventriloquist misunderstand what he is saying himself. Conceive my guile, my duplicate duplicity, my play on ignorance and gullibility. Is it any wonder that I have gone into the banking business? And that's going to do it for us this week here on the program. Somewhere in between, a radio zine. The Distance Between Things. Issue 30. Contained some sport shoe and sweatpants clad stories, including cycling, pulling away from social media, and selections from Whamma, etc. Written by Flan O'Brien and Austin Rich, and read by Austin Rich. On February 20th, Happy birthday to Marty Grissom, my own mother. One of the bit players in the ever-growing story of broadcast radio itself, 
Her work on KLCC and KNND was inspirational, and hearing her guest on KZEL when I was a kid put a celebrity in the house when there were a few others people my age could even try and respect. Happy birthday, Marty. See, I remembered this year. This episode was produced by Austin Rich in the Lava Lamp Lounge and was assembled using only the finest in 20th century technology. In the long-standing tradition of most zines, there is an open submission policy here. If you have a story you'd like to send in, read, or just want to be a part of the show, why not drop a line to austinrich at gmail.com. That's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you.